The Tennis Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast is now presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by our mini helmet contest. The SGP crew has has many helmets that are now in the store and we're giving away one for free. Just go to sportsgamepodcast.com slash helmet. That's sportsgamepodcast.com slash helmet. We're also brought to you by our college football playoff props contest. $200 gift card to the winner exclusively on the SGPNM. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Rochelle, once again. And it is a a big show because it is technically the first tournament of 2023. I can't say that it is the first episode of 2023 because technically we are still recording on December 31st of 2022. But I get the idea. It's the thought that counts. Either way, the point is we officially have the return of ATP tennis. There has been some tennis going around with the... Other tournaments that aren't officially, I don't want to say the word sanctioned, but they don't count towards any ranking points. But you have the United Cup, which has been going on for the last couple of days, which has been a lot of fun. Either way, time to actually get into the ATP schedule for the purposes of tournaments that actually count towards rankings. But either way, we're going to be traveling to Adelaide, uh, which should be a lot of fun. There are a couple of tournaments in Adelaide, but this will be the first one, obviously, because of the fact that it's the first tournament of 2023. But to go through the actual calendar, just so people have an idea of what to expect, you end up having a tournament in Adelaide, which we're gonna, which we're about to cover. Then you have a tournament in India, which is actually starting about a day after the Adelaide tournament I'm assuming we'll do another show there. I'll probably do it separately, but qualifying is still going on. I think it's actually just starting today, so I couldn't really get into it that early. Figured it might make more sense to have two separate shows for the previews, and then we'd end up kind of merging them mid-tournament and going through our thoughts there. But since one tournament is starting before the other one, and since it is the start of tennis season in 2023, I figured might as well give Adelaide proper respect and do a solo episode on that tournament. So either way, besides those two, then you have a tournament in Auckland, uh, which is going to overlap with another tournament in Adelaide, which will be the Adelaide Invitational 2, followed by the Australian Open. So a lot of fun here in January, all hardcore tournaments, and let's get into it. So before we actually get into the breakdown for the Uh, overall tournament itself reminder for the format if you're new to the show it's going to be the preview episode so we will go through futures go through the bracket and talk about who we think has a good chance to win but i will not leave any of you empty-handed if you do want the overall match breakdowns because we do a lock and dog segment at the end of the show where i will give out one potential favorite that i like it could be a dog in theory but we'll give out one lock and dog on two separate matches or two separate plays on individual matches. So if you want that, check out the end of the show. But if you want the overall tournament breakdown with the actual draw preview and draw breakdown, then stay with us for the entire episode and I'll walk you through it. But either way, to go through the last episode, it was a while ago, Sam and I ended up sweeping, which was a very nice way to end off the 2022 season. We had Djokovic to basically dominate against Rude in the final, and he did. We had Djokovic to... Pretty much really, we thought he'd have a little bit of trouble early on because he was battling some illnesses and some dizziness at some point during the tournament, but he came through. Bit of a slow start, 
but he ended up coasting after that. Rude really never threatened any of his service games, and Djokovic was all over him in the second half, or the second set, I should say. Well, and really the second half of the first set. He kind of picked it up, and then it carried over into the second set, and he really just rolled from there. But both of us gave out Rude his team total, his player total in games under, and that cashed easily. And then I gave out Djokovic minus four and a half games at plus money, and that ended up getting there as he won by five. And Sam ended up giving out the total number of breaks of serve in the match. He gave that out under, and that got there. So anytime you get in the year on a sweep is nice, but it's also even nicer to start off the 2023 season with a sweep too. So that kind of sums up the actual breakdown for the last tournament that we went through. For the overall 2022 outlook or the overall recap, uh, really a very interesting year because Djokovic wasn't able to participate in a couple of the Grand Slams uh, with, of course, the Australian Open and the U.S. Open not allowing him to participate. Uh, as a result, you had Alcaraz who bursted onto the scene and he ended up winning his first Grand Slam tournament with the U.S. Open. Uh, besides that, Djokovic, despite missing that many tournaments, still won a Grand Slam, winning Wimbledon again, obviously. And uh, Nadal was really the talk of the season for the first couple months as he won both the Australian Open and a shocker, uh, Roland Garros. But then the injuries kind of caught up to Nadal. And I know he has been participating in some tournaments recently. He was in the ATP Finals. He did not make it out of the group stage, but it was still nice to see him there. And he has been involved in some of the other tournaments before the actual season, official season took place. So hopefully he'll be back to 100%. Uh, one can hope, but we're going to have to wait and find out because if you look at the overall draw for this tournament, Nadal is not in it. So we're going to have to wait a little bit to see how Nadal looks, but... Before I get into any of the outrights and the overall preview for this event, do you want to take a quick word from our sponsors? WinBet is the official online sports book for the Sports Game Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. Reduce juice on sides and totals for all bowl games. Plus, they have great promos, odds, and payouts, which are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100 to win a free $100. Limited to state availability. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgampodcast.com slash WinBet so they know we sent you. The sportsgampodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer something to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Don't forget to enter the SGP Mini Helmet Contest from now until the end of the year. Just go to sportsgampodcast.com slash helmet to, say, uh, to enter that sportsgampodcast.com slash helmet. We're also brought to you by our college football playoff props contest. $200 gift card to the winner exclusively on the SGPN app. And welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Game Podcast. Just finished briefly going through how the last episode did and the overall uh, common, I'd say, themes or talking points of 2022. Now it's time to you know wipe the slate clean. We'll go into 2023 in Technically, yeah, I know it's still 2022, but just deal with me for this, deal with it for the sake of this. But either way, uh, looking at the overall tournament, time to get into the odds. Uh, going through the Adelaide odds, you have Djokovic, uh, who is making his return to Australia after not being able to enter last season. Uh, he's minus 135 to win this tournament outright. Then you have Medvedev at plus 450. You have Felix at seven to one. 
You have Rublev at 12 to 1, Rune at 12 to 1. Shout out to him, by the way, for entering the top 10. Uh, you have Sinner at 14 to 1. Then you have some longer shots here. You have Shapo at 33 to 1. You have Draper at 33 to 1. You have Kakanov at 33 to 1. Korda at 33 to 1. And Batista Agut at 33 to 1. Uh, besides that, really not much else I'm interested in. Uh, there are a lot of players here, but I don't think many of them are worth much in terms of value for this event. If you wanted to go with a veteran, you could go with Murray at 50 to 1, which I would never take at this point. Maybe Cressy at 66 to 1. If you want to make an argument for Servan Volley, which might fare well here. Kokonakis is 66 to 1. Uh, I know historically speaking, he's not done very well in singles, but he is technically a defending champion at Adelaide as he won Adelaide 2 last year, beating Rinder Knich in the final. It's a pretty weird setup, though, in Adelaide because they have two separate tournaments, which are going to be uh, going back to back, basically. But you had Monfi, who won the first one, which is this event beating Hakanov last year, 6-4, 6-4. And then you had Kokonakis, who beat Rinder Knitch, as I just said, in three sets in the final of Adelaide 2. Besides that, you had the first year in 2020, where Rublev did beat Lloyd Harris in straight sets, and 2021 ended up not having an event because of COVID. But Rublev is a champion here. So is Kokonakis. So if you want to make an argument for a defending champion angle, go nuts. I'm not going to. Rublev, maybe, but realistically, I don't think he's going to win the event. But to go through the actual draw, uh, Djokovic, of course, is going to have a relatively easy draw because he can't play against himself. So Djokovic has a matchup, uh, or really just a draw itself that should be, I'd say, a freebie into the quarters. He's most likely going to face off against Chapo in the... Uh, actually, no, not even past the quarters. He's most likely going to face off against the likes of Chapo in the semis. And that's assuming Chapo gets that far. It's a little bit early because we don't have the official draws yet because there are some qualifiers. But Chapo's facing a qualifier in the first round. Uh, Yemmer is on the potential collision course there, facing a, a, qualif a qualifier there. And then you're assuming Yemmer and Chapo will face off against each other. But you're looking at Djokovic, and yeah, it's pretty tough to make a case for anyone else uh, because of the fact that Djokovic not only... He's the best player in the world. I don't care what the ATP rankings say. Djokovic is clearly the best player in the world right now. He's also going to be motivated because he's finally back in Australia. And Australian Open has always been his uh, really just best grand slam. I know in, uh, Wimbledon right now is a close second, but Djokovic has dominated the Australian Open for a long time. It was the first grand slam he ever won. He really takes tennis in Australia seriously. And I do think he'll be very motivated for this overall event. But to go through the rest of the draw, uh, so Djokovic, I don't know if you really need much of a case to make because of the fact that he's Djokovic and his toughest competition is probably going to be Shapo in the semis, but we know Shapo is very capable of self-destructing at various points in matches, and that's why he really hasn't won anything on tour. But he has done well in Australia in the past. He had that five-set thriller against Nadal where he was up uh, ended up, you know, he was down early, then he came back, and then Nadal took that injury timeout or whatever you want to call it for a couple minutes there to start the fifth. Shapo immediately got broken and had a bit of a temper tantrum there and then lost the fifth set. So Shapo has done well in Australia, but Djokovic is Djokovic. And at the end of the day, I don't think anyone can hold a candle to him in this overall event. But to go through the rest of the field, you have a guy who actually did beat Djokovic at some point last year in. Felix at 7-1, to one. I bring that up because looking at the actual draw, 
he is on the uh, bottom side of it, so he would face off against Djokovic in the final. His draw, though, is a bit favorable. Does face off against a qualifier, then Giron or Gasquet, probably Giron, and then he'd face off against most likely Rune. That Rune-Felix match should be an entertaining one if they go that uh, far, uh, because that would be a very, very entertaining semi based on how many times they matched up last year and how competitive those matches were. So I would keep an eye on that matchup potentially happening, but Medvedev is currently in a very interesting scheduling spot because he would have to face off against the likes of... Okay, wait. So No, no, okay. So I, so I misspoke. Djokovic would face off against Shapo in the quarters, and then he'd face off against Medvedev in the semis and that would be the path for Djokovic so in other words if you want to go for value I think Felix has the value because I I do think if you want to talk about a favorite who you think could benefit from an easier level of competition I know Rune is difficult and I might get into Rune in a second but I do think if you want to talk about where you want to look for outrights you have to consider the level of competition that your guy would face compared to the other side of the bracket. And when Djokovic and Chapo and Medvedev all on side A, and you have Felix on side B with Rune and Rublev and Agut. No offense to Rublev. I know he picked it up at the end of last year, but he was kind of all over the place, and he's a bit inconsistent. You also have Sinner, uh, who's in there. But Sinner, to be honest, I love Sinner as a player. But he really does have a hard time of avoiding upsets early in events. And I do think Sinner might run into some trouble. Face off against Edmund in the first round. I think he'll get through that. But Cressy, I know Cressy is against Kokonakis in the first round. Cressy is a servant volley guy. Maybe Sinner struggles in that matchup because of how unique Cressy plays. There's not many servant volley guys left on tour. But Sinner I like, but I do think that he might be vulnerable in the first tournament of the year. Maybe he gets pushed early to the brink, and then you'll have to go from there. But I do think Felix is probably either the best player in this half or arguably the second best player. You can say Sinner. I think Rune might be better than Sinner right now. It's, it's really a tough call. I think they're close. Rune, though, really emerged in the last couple of months of the year. And I do think Rune, based on form, if you want to assume it wraps over into 2023, Rune really has top four player written all over him if he's able to keep up this momentum. So going through the odds, Felix, I mentioned at seven to one, Rune's at 12 to one. Those I'm tempted by, I, I think that those have value. Of course, I'll take Djokovic at minus 135 because at the end of the day, I can't go against Djokovic on a hard court in Australia. But if you want to talk about some of the favorites I'm looking at, Djokovic I like, Felix I like, probably a little bit less uh, with Felix because that I do think that Rune's got a decent shot to beat him. I like Rune, I like Rune at 12-1, to 1, though. I think that's a great price, and considering the fact that he ended up winning a huge tournament in which he came back against Djokovic to end last year, I think Rune's right at a roll here. So I'm going to go with Rune at 12-1. to 1. Besides that, though, really don't see many other options. You have Medvedev at 450, uh, who, once again, would have to face off against Djokovic. And, yeah, Medvedev was very good at forcing Djokovic up against the wall. The problem was he never actually beat him you know, when you're going through last year's matchups. They had a couple wars. You had the very odd retirement by Medvedev after losing that second set tiebreak against Djokovic. And then you also had the recent match 
uh, where Medvedev ended up getting eliminated in the group stages of the ATP finals, but in a quote-unquote meaningless match for both guys because Djokovic already clinched a spot in the next round and Medvedev got eliminated already. They had a phenomenal match and Djokovic won in a third set tiebreak. So Medvedev has given Djokovic problems, but he's never actually able to break through or he hasn't been ever since he won the U.S. Open uh, against Djokovic, uh, denying him the calendar Grand Slam. But I do think that Medvedev does not really have that much value at 450 because I don't think he's going to be Djokovic. And with that being the case, I have a hard time expecting a guy who, I first of all, I like Medvedev. I think he's a very good player. I was rooting for him a lot last year. And it just didn't work out. He lost in the finals a lot. He didn't win many tournaments. He had a pretty disappointing reign as the number one player. And I think he'll get through Sonigo. Sonigo's tricky, though. Did win a tournament last year. Uh, but I think he'll get through Kekmanovic. I think he'll be able to get into a pretty deep run here. I'm not worried about Kakanov. Draper's interesting, uh, but I do think Medvedev would beat him. But you're looking at Djokovic, and I think it might be a war. It might be fun. But I'm not picking Medvedev, and I think that Djokovic should be able to make it into the final. So I'm going to skip Medvedev. I already mentioned the uh, little long shot draws there. I can't really call them long shots to get my point with Felix at 7-1 to one and Rune at 12-1. Uh, to one. Besides that, though, do I really like any other... Se- First of all, do I like any serious long shots in this event? It's tricky to find a guy with enough consistency when you're in a field with Djokovic or Medvedev. Even if Medvedev beats Djokovic, which I don't see happening, but let's say it does. You're really asking a lot to beat Medvedev. Just because Medvedev had a bad year last year doesn't mean that in the grand scheme of things, he's not a top five player in the world. He clearly is. The problem was he kept losing to high-profile guys. He had a hard time beating Kyrgios. He lost to Tsitsipas a couple times. He... Uh, lost to Rublev in the ATP finals in the group stages. He lost to Djokovic a couple of times. He's losing matches, but he's losing to very, very good players. Yes, I know he lost to Diminor, uh, which was a bad loss at the end of the year. But Medvedev is still very capable of beating up on weaker competition. And we know Djokovic is capable of beating up on anybody. So it's pretty tough to find value with long shots. I've said this several times before. Most of my long shots for tournaments will take place in the clay schedule if you really want to talk about long shots and you want to bet on serious ones at 70 to 1, 80 to 1, try the WTA because women's tennis has a ton of upsets in comparison or Cinderella runs. But I don't see that happening in this event. I think you'll see a pretty top heavy event where you will see Djokovic probably against the likes of Rune or Felix in the final. And I'm picking Djokovic to win. But for value, I want to make a case for somebody. I would pick Draper if he wasn't going to match up against Medvedev in one of the first couple rounds. I don't think I have much here. Uh, I don't really see it. So I know it's not as fun when you're not giving out 60 to one shots or 30 to one shots and you're sticking with relative chalk. I just don't see it. You can make a case maybe for Shapo at 33 to one, but he'd face off against Djokovic and Medvedev before the final. That I can't do. I think I'm going to stick with the guys that I mentioned. So once again, for the outrights, going to take Djokovic at minus 135. At the end of the day, uh, only losers pay juice. If Djokovic wins, we'll all make money, and I can't complain about that. Djokovic will be my biggest play in terms of money spent on it because, duh, he's Novak Djokovic. But to go through the other guys, I like Felix at 7-1. to 
He really emerged last year, had a great run of the last couple of months, faded a little bit as he did struggle in the ATP finals. I believe he lost in the group stage, but he still had a great year, and I do think he's capable with a pretty friendly draw. There's a lot of talented players when you're on the opposite side of Djokovic and Medvedev, the two favorites in the event in terms of odds, is definitely a benefit. And I think Felix has a pretty favorable draw as a result. And I'll take the other guy in the favorable draw with Rune at 12 to 1. Top 10 player now, but he really looked like a top five guy. And if you remember early when the podcast started last year, I would take long shots with Rune all the time, mostly on clay. But I recognized the talent that was there. I didn't think he would fully realize that talent on the hard courts, but he did. And wow, he's a really good hardcore player. There's really no way around it. But Rune, I was kind of on too early on because I watched him play and I liked what I saw. Bit of a temper issue, which kind of held him back for a little bit. But it seems to have reined it in a bit. And after beating Djokovic to win a Masters 1000 event last year, I do think that it's really a nice stepping stone for him to potentially explode in 2023 and maybe make a serious run at a Grand Slam or two. But I do think he's a great player. And I do think after winning the Paris Masters last year, I I do think that is definitely going to really just result in his confidence skyrocketing. And I do think he'll be underpriced. You will not find many tournaments moving forward with Rude, or not with Rude, sorry, with Rune at 12 to 1. I think he's really a future guy who's going to be around 8-1 to one in most tournaments, maybe lower. Of course, it depends on if Djokovic or Medvedev or some of the stars are going to be in the actual uh, event with him. But Rune for value at 12-1, to one, guy's incredible. I, I do think he's a top-five player uh, in terms of talent. So I'll take Rune at 12-1, to one, and that's going to wrap it up. But, of course, I'm not going to leave all of you empty-handed for the actual matches. Time to get into the lock and dog segment for the matches in Adelaide. Before you get into that, I can have another quick word from our sponsors. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. At Underdog, the season never ends. Right now, you can play their weekly Battle Royale games or even draft your playoff best ball teams. They also have a ton of daily games for NBA and NHL. Plus, when you deposit... Use promo code SGP at underdogfantasy.com to get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the outrights and the futures for Adelaide. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog segment. Starting off with the lock for this show uh, where do I want to go for the lock? I got I got a couple options here, but I do think I'm going to go and fade uh, the veteran here. I am going to go with Giron, minus 110 against Gasquet. Props to Gasquet for hanging around, and he had a decent uh, couple of uh, runs there at the end of the year. Nothing in terms of titles, but he looked respectable. But I think Giron is the better player at this stage. I do think that Gasquet... With him being older, maybe he struggles a bit more with the climate in Australia. Uh, you're looking at the actual recent matches. Neither guy has played a match since the Paris. Uh, since Paris, So I do think a minus 110, though, Giron is the better player. And I think that if you're looking at an actual marathon match, which we could see take place, I'll take the younger guy that should be in better form. And I think that if this goes three, we, we've seen Gasquet over the years, once again, not his fault because he's older, 
but he really can deteriorate physically as matches progress. And I think that with Giron being able to keep the ball in play and with his overall ability to force the opponent to beat him, I think that you'll end up seeing a pretty competitive match, but I think Giron eventually wears down Gasquet and wins this match. So give me Gas, uh, give me Giron at minus 110 on the money line. And for my dog, uh, looking at who I actually like in this matchup or in this overall, uh, you know what? I'm going to go fade one of the guys that I talked about having a pretty good year last year uh, to finish the season. Still a bit inconsistent, but I will go with Batista Agut. I'm going to take him on the money line beating Rublev. Uh, I think that there's value here. Uh, you're looking at Batista Agut, and his current price is plus 160 on the money line against Rublev. I do think that you're going to end up seeing a very competitive match. But we know that Batista Agut is a very difficult player to play against because he's basically a brick wall. And yes, he does lack some firepower, and that could be a concern. But Rublev, we know he's very good. However, he does have the serious issue of committing a bunch of unforced errors because he constantly goes for winners. And if you look at the head-to-head, -head, it is very, very close. Rublev is currently up 4-3 in the head-to-head. -head, and I think that Batista Agut, who has been very... He's just a very fit player his entire career. He's done well in Australia. I think that he can really give uh, Rublev some problems if you look at the hardcore matches in their careers. So Rublev's won the last two matches, both of them, though, in 2021 on clay. On hardcore, Batista, uh, uh, Batista Agut won the last hardcore meeting in 2021 in Doha, 6-3, 6-3. They played in the Davis Cup Finals in 2019, Rublev won in straight sets, and they played in 2018 in Shanghai, and and Agut won in straight sets. So, and they also played indoors, sorry, in uh, Valencia in 20 in uh, 2015, and Agut won in straight sets. So yes, I know that was 2015. You can kind of toss it out, but the point is they have faced off four times on hardcore in their careers, and Agut is three and one. And I do think that Agut could give. Rublev problems. Once again, probably a war. Uh, you might end up seeing uh, this matchup go the distance, maybe a couple breakers in there. But I think if you want to talk about value, we know Rublev is definitely capable of self-destructing. And if you want to give me a price on a sturdy veteran underdog at plus 160 who will not beat himself, I think there's value. So once again, to wrap up the lock and dog, I am going to go with Giron minus 110. Uh, as my lock, and I will go with Batista Agut plus 160 on the money line against Rublev as my dog. Besides that, you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio, R-E-I-C-H-E-O Radio. I will be doing more episodes, probably another one coming up either tomorrow or at some point during the week because we have another tournament we haven't even talked about taking place in India. We're aiming for Sunday, so we should be back tomorrow to go through that tournament. We'll see about qualifying, so maybe Monday, but either way, Besides that, got to wrap it up with the obvious. Happy New Year, everyone. Hopefully you have a very nice uh, end to 2022 and a very nice beginning to 2023. And let's cash some bets. So until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.